I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. It's the Wocast and we're back after our Christmas break. It's a new year, 2021, hopefully uh, with some new hopes and aspirations. What's not new though is my sidekick and uh, co-host and I would say co-owner of the brand now. <laughs> G <laughs> is in the building. Your partner in crime, my friend. Yes. How are you? And Happy New Year, mate. Yeah, if you can still say that on the <laughs> 10th of... <laughs> when are we recording this anyway? 10th of January. Yeah, I'm good. I'm real, real good. Recharged and refreshed. But ever so slightly worried for you. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was going to ask you how you are anyway. But the whole Capitol building being stormed and actually watching that, to me, it was like a season of America, a sitcom stroke drama that we've been watching over here for the last four years because your uh, your person, well, your, your second um, president of colour, um, watching him and his antics over the last four years, I have to say, has been uh, somewhat of a roller coaster drama and comedy. I mean, how's it actually unfolding for you? I mean, that whole drama unfolding, it was weird, man. It was scary as well it went from like trump's whole administration and, and and his whole reign has felt like a really long episode of some reality tv show like love and hip-hop you know what i mean like there's mm. always some mm. drama but right now it feels like we're in the season finale and it's getting really scary because the shit's getting kind of serious like they stormed the capitol and Mike, yeah. if they had come across the leaders that they were chanting, you know, hang Mike Pence and where the fuck is Nancy Pelosi, I really think they would have killed our cabinet if they had come across them. And that's so scary. Can we just take, can we just take a, a, a and rewind ever so slightly? They stormed the Capitol. Now, you've got a policing background. Mm-hmm. How easy is it to storm the Capitol? Is it that underdefended? Is it, no. is it that kind of like flimsy? What no, not there? at all. I, you can't even use the bathroom up there. I've been up there as a police officer and I've been up there as a civilian just hanging out. Matter of fact, I took Yaya up there um, when she came to visit me in D.C. and we did like a little tour. And it is the security right. up there is unreal. So when I saw that um, they were so, you know, it was so easy for them to storm it. I just was suspicious from the moment I saw that. I was like, it's never mm. that easy on a normal day without protesters. You know, just to go as a tourist, it's not easy to kind of finagle your way around there. So to see a bunch of insurgents attacking the Capitol, I was like, how? <laughs> how is this happening? I mean, just on that how, you and I as civilians, now that you've left the police, you're a civilian as well. Mm. The way that I look at it is we looking at that and all the promises and all the threats and all the people who were giving it the rhetoric in the run-up on Twitter. Are you telling me that intelligence services, people like the FBI, those looking after the well-being and um, guarding and custodians of, um, well, your sovereignty, mm-hmm. weren't seeing the same sort of rhetoric and thinking, oh, well, maybe it would be a good idea to plan for this, to have extra security, maybe have the National Guard on standby. I just don't even think they thought those people were going to get violent, even though they were talking like, you know, violently on Parler and Twitter and other social networks. I just think, Mm. you know, first of all, these people are also pro-police. You know, when you when you police a Black Lives Matter protest, I'm sure the police officers feel like they are policing or protecting people that are protesting against them. And here we have a group of people that are actually pro-police. So I wonder if they're a little bit less hands-on or think, oh, they won't be as violent. They're just upset. I don't know. But it was definitely um, a catastrophe on the police department's end. And Mike, I don't know if you know this, but the chief of police has had to resign. I know a police officer from the Metropolitan Police Department was already fired for taking a selfie. Like, they're going after the cops. So I think pretty soon you might hear little tidbits of officers, you know, being fired or whatnot. So just stay tuned, Mike. 
you see, I, I knew about the resignations or I knew about the firings because of your your feed. We're not actually getting that filtered through here in terms of media. What we are seeing is a lot of replaying of the actual events and behind the scenes in terms of um, what it looked like. The, the, the cops basically were either A, overwhelmed, B, complicit because they in certain instances just ushered people in or see they kind of like were part of the kind of like revolutionary fever that was rushing through that crowd because you have to say with all the screams and all the shouting and all the banner waving a lot of people thought they were actually living through and going through a revolution no yeah and like i said before mike like a lot of those people are pro-police those are the people behind you know blue lives matter those are the people that are like they defend cops when they kill you know african americans unjustly and and they don't want to defund the police so perhaps maybe because they have that viewpoint police are a bit more laid back and actually support these types they're not as aggressive you know, and I think that's a huge problem because it just goes to show you that the police are biased. And when you take that oath, you're not biased. Uh, you know, when I was a cop, if, if the Klan came to rally, I had to protect them the same way if it was a Black Lives Matter protester. So it alarms me that it looks as if police are a bit more lax with people that are pro-police when it, they really shouldn't be like that. And look, look what we saw unfold. I mean, I saw footage of some Capitol Police officers actually letting them in or just standing by. Yeah. Unreal. And and that's just the thing. Having read into this, like I say, because we're not seeing this on our <coughs> excuse me played out on our screens mm-hmm. in terms of these questions and these talking points being discussed, I had to go and look for myself. Yeah. So it looked as though part of the police contingent um, were black, and they were being attacked verbally by the Trump supporters. At the same time, the white police officers were taking selfies with those same people who were abusing the the, the black cops. Now, I'm thinking to myself, there's an obvious disparity here in terms of how protesters stroke rioters are treated based on their skin colour. Because look at the way, I mean, you you rein me in here if I'm being out of order, but look at the way in which the BLM protests were actually corralled and actually policed and actually um, curtailed. It looked as though there was an almost carnival spirit um, that what took place uh, a few days ago. Now, again, rein me in if I'm I'm being unduly harsh there, but there did seem to be a a lot more camaraderie this time round. Yeah, I, I'm, you don't need to be reined in. I think you saw what everybody around the world saw. When Black Lives Matter protesters protested, the National Guard was already on the steps of the of um, the Capitol. They were hit with tear gas and rubber bullets. And these people are protesting the life loss unjustly by police. Like, they're, they're, they're protesting someone's life being lost. But meanwhile, on the other side, a bunch of swamp people can be upset that their, you know, president didn't win the re- election it's just bizarre and it's inappropriate Mm. and it's just insane because you know mike they think black people all of us are criminals and we've been demonized and we have that label so when we get up and protest they're ready to just kick our ass but white people do it and then white people they don't even protest and break things for for lives lost they do it when like someone loses a hockey game they do it when <laughs> wow. when their favorite sports team is 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 losing and then they go out and they loot and they and they burn things down and then now because their mm. president told them a bunch of lies they're out here destroying our country and our, our federal buildings. It's just such a shame. And to see people comparing Black Lives Matter like they loot and so these people did the same thing is just totally wrong. And you just look like a racist defending the traitors that stormed the Capitol when you do that. You know? I mean, we've mentioned his name a few times now, but I think it's only right to actually delve into the commander in chief, as it were, because whether it from uh, whichever viewpoint or whichever lens you look at it, mm-hmm. that he was complicit or he didn't know that it would actually go off like a powder keg. It's undeniable that he fanned the flames from where I'm sitting because the rhetoric, especially when you look at the last four years, the rhetoric that he has continued to use hasn't changed. So I don't get why people are up in arms, surprised and uh, really kind of uh, adamant that this is something that took them off guard when this is Trump as we know him because when you look at his term it has been one which is okay on on the one hand 
comedy field, but on an, on the other hand, definitely divisive and yeah. divisive um, in a polarized way, as in color does come into it and it comes into it significantly. Yeah. And it's always been a violent presidency. Look at his campaign rally. So why is anybody shocked that the ending of his presidency is also violent? You know, mm. he's, he's been a violent president this whole time. He makes threats on Twitter. You know, he, he as soon as Black Lives Matter started taking down racist statues, he made executive orders to say that if you take down any more statues, you get 10 years. Now, the same people that were proud of this executive order because it affected, you know, black protesters were thrilled. But now they're upset because the swamp people went out and destroyed a federal building and all those people being arrested are going to be affected by the same order that Trump created. But it was targeted for black people in Black Lives Matter. It's just hilarious yeah. that folks are just so shocked by this. You know, he's always been like this. And this is why I didn't vote for him, because I could see this coming. It's, it's unreal. You know, you know, speaking of, well, I, I would have thought that the main reason why you hadn't voted for him is because he's a bigoted, racist, no. narcissist. He's every ist under the sun and it's just abhorrent I think that you get these protectors especially in politics over here um, conservative politicians who are very very slow to condemn what he says very very uh, slow to condemn his actions his words his rhetoric and now they're having to roll back on that slowness and um, it makes them look uh, ever so slightly embarrassing in my book but well, me, I mean speaking of let me ask hmm? you a quick question Mike because you have the UK perspective and you yeah. know, me and myself and other listeners are in the United States how are your friends and family from born and raised in the UK looking at us after this um, act of insurgence like what how do y'all see the US now it's embarrassing it makes you look as though you are weak. It makes you look as though you guys um, have no direction and how easy it is to actually stir you guys up to a point where, you know, the states can actually turn in on itself. Mm -hmm. Now, as a friendly foreign power, that isn't something that would be used um, to our advantage. But I can imagine, you know, states like Russia or countries like Russia or your perceived enemies might be looking at this and rubbing their hands because it seemed very easy. It seemed yeah. like simple in order to actually carry this out. And it looked as though um, it was done with relative ease. But one of the things which was kind of like perplexing from our point of view, um, looking um, at it from a, a British lens, is how slow your corporate or your, your tech giants, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the YouTube, and now lately Twitter, has been to censure and literally lock out Donald Trump off his, his, his pedestal and but, his media. And Mike, that's what he's been using to whip people up these last four years. But how embarrassing is it that the big tech companies did something before our own Congress did? Like on Monday, they're wow. going to impeach him. Y'all can't work on the weekends. And then, what's, <laughs> <laughs> and then what's frustrating me, too, is not only did the big tech company beat, you know, our own Congress to, to shutting him down. There, there's talk of them letting him just, you know, finish his presidency if he's just quiet, if he just remains quiet. And I'm just kind of like, mm. wait a minute. Are we not going to hold him and his cronies accountable to send a message to the next dictator we vote in? that you can't do this and that there's repercussions for his behavior. Mike, I swear to God and everything I love that if this Congress and this Senate does not punish him, we are going to go through this again and it's going to be worse. The Molotov cocktails wow. that didn't go off, the pipe bombs that they brought to the Capitol that didn't explode, they will go off next time we get a dictator that is more s smarter and savvy than Trump. We have to send a message that this cannot be tolerated even from the President of the United States. Mike, I'm not living like I'm in some war-torn country. If the U.S. Mm. doesn't put their foot up Trump's ass, we are in trouble and this will happen again. Remember school shootings, Mike, how they used to happen every so often? And then, yeah. and then they got popular in, in America because of notoriety and whatnot, and now mm. every school mm. shooter wants to one-up the next school shooter? That can happen with civil revolts every time we have an election. We need to nip this in the butt now and send a message to the next piece of shit that wants to be a dictator. And that is my m biggest concern right now, Mike. 
What are your thoughts, Mike? Like, get in it. Do you think he should be punished, or should he just quietly just remain, and then when he's done, he's done? I I think it would be cosmetic punishment, because if you think about it, there's literally days before he's actually uh, leaving office. But I do feel you do need to send a very strong message in some way, shape, or form, and impeachment is the way to actually do it. You can't have this occurring again. Thank you. I couldn't imagine for a second that, you know, uh, at the end of Joe Biden's term that there will be this sort of like anarchy and there will be this sort of like um, a dictatorship approach and stirring up the people. But like you say, in the future, you you want there to be a precedent set. And this is the way in which you do it. Now, when you think about it, whilst he does have literally days to go, um, Sending a message, I feel, sets off a chain of events where, you know, possibly criminal charges could be brought to bear from the fact that he literally stirred up people who thought they were in the midst of a revolution. Now, I think the impeachment might be the catalyst for that ongoing or or further action after he leaves office. So I totally agree that there should be some kind of like um, impeachment effort. But also, you know, I'm also mindful of the fact that, look, there's literally days to go. Yeah. I mean, even though there's only days to go, send the fucking message. You understand? And then on top of it, when you impeach him, it ensures that he cannot run again. You know, because he's become dangerous. Like they cut him from Twitter and he hopped on someone else's account and he still was like revving their engines still even after mm. he saw them make nooses and and he basically almost got his co-workers killed when he sent them over there and he's still rallying them up. And Mike, I've been, you know, I've been watching the news like crazy. Inside reports are saying that he regrets the speech in which he gave where he was finally like, okay, guys, I'm going to concede and and what you did was wrong. He regrets that speech, Mike. And he also is happy about what they did and was confused wow. when people in the White House were, were upset with the rioters. And he was like, no, this is a good thing. He was, they said he was gleeful when he saw the destruction of our capital. That is a dangerous, unhinged president. He has to go. Exactly. I'm glad you mentioned the word unhinged because that doesn't sound like someone who has 100% competency. That doesn't sound like someone who's in charge of his faculties. I mean, you talk about him hopping from medium to medium. It's interesting that whilst it hasn't been confirmed, Parler, which is a right-wing extremist haven for misogynists, racists, and sexists, and every dredge of society seems to be heading over there because of their, quote-unquote, um, heralding and shepherding those who who want free speech. One of the things which is really interesting right now is, A, he hasn't actually waved his banner from Parler, but expect that in the coming days. But B... The amount of, I mean, we're getting to the number of the action now in mm-hmm. terms of MMA. The amount of um, <laughs> MMA sort of chatter uh, around Parler. I mean, Jorge Masvidal hasn't come out and openly said it, but he has hinted that he may be leaving Twitter. Now, when you think about it in terms of free speech, that was kind of like what underpinned his reason for raising that in a tweet. It's sort of like leaning towards, well, maybe he'll be on parlor but someone who came out recently and we're talking like within the last um few hours or well day um is michael chandler newly signed to the ufc has basically been asking people to follow him to parlor now there's two things that struck me about his tweet which basically linked um to parlor and uh, basically requesting people follow him there, follow him there the first thing is He's newly signed. You would have thought that keeping his head and keeping his 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 um, self in check, uh, having been newly signed, would be a priority for him. But secondly, what kind of like struck me as well is the lack of. Well, I know it's only early days, but the lack of journalists actually responding, checking him. I was. I, I rarely do this, but I was suitably inspired to actually respond to him to let him know look with the uh racists with the anti-semitism that goes on over there with the extremism and right-wing agenda of those on parlor i don't think i will be following you over to parlor so no thank you <laughs> but 
the thing is this, I was shocked and surprised by how little traction it had in the media. And it goes back to, it's been a while since that podcast and the one which kind of like, you know, uh, gave us quite a lot of traction. But it goes back to this whole notion of when it comes to race, when it comes to actually putting fighters in check around race, I don't really see many people, well, picking up the banner. I don't see people standing shoulder to shoulder with us. The only person I saw in there, the usual suspects, people like Trent Reinsmith. <laughs> he wouldn't let that lie. So I'm, I'm, I'm just, I suppose it's a question to you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's kind of like, considering that M- Michael Chandler has a, I think it's an adopted son who was black. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that it's, proper of him to be talking about parlor and in the context of what it actually represents given where he's coming from or do you think we should just let him be and freedom of speech is what he's really looking for here um i I, i'm all in favor of freedom of speech and michael chandler can say and support and and go on parlor all he likes but he just basically to me and i'm not speaking for anyone else to me he's just identified himself as a traitor if you want to go on parlor and, and, and discuss, you know, right-wing conspiracies and, and QAnon and Trump and stuff like that. I just don't think you're pro-democracy and you're for this country and you should get the fuck out of America. So if he wants that <laughs> smoke, by all means, identify yourself as a traitor, Michael Chandler. There's no problem with mm-hmm. that in my book. I know where you stand. However, I am a little bit concerned because he has an African-American son. And I don't know about you, Mike, and where, you know, you grew up in the UK. I grew up in America. I know most African-American parents or even parents like mine that are from another country, they prepare their black children to be black American. Do you understand? Like they get you ready for racism. They get you ready to work twice as hard. They get you ready Mm -hmm. to be told that you're inferior. And they tell you what the N-word is before that you're even called that word. And they get you ready for for the hard life you're about to have because... It were you know everything for us is a double standard. We cannot do what white people can do, and my mother has been telling me that since I was three years old. So to see Michael Chandler go in the other direction of that is kind of scary for a child that's going to be raised in Black America, and you're basically raising your child to be Republican when they don't really have the you know African Americans' best interests, which is bizarre. But his son will get his wake up call whenever it's due because. Whether his daddy's white or he has a white family, that's a black kid. And that's how he's going Mm. to be perceived and treated in America, no matter how well or how badly his parents prepare him for it. So his wake-up call will come, um, you know? And it's none of my business shit. Well, it's a shame. I mean, we're both, like, talking from the same hymn sheet here in terms of rites of passage. It's impossible to dodge racism regardless of what um, side of the continent you actually yep. uh, come from. It is nigh on impossible to go through life with a blinkered sense of um, well there is no injustice and it is incumbent upon every single parent to prepare their child for that harsh yeah. reality. Because that now, privilege that Michael Chandler has will mm. not transfer to his son when his son goes no. to school by himself. When he gets off that school bus and he needs to go get a, some Skittles from the corner store, he is black. It doesn't matter that your daddy adopted you and he's white and he's on parlor cutting it up with other Republicans. <laughs> your child is black and he's going to be treated like he's black. So why not prepare mm. him for that treatment that America is going to give him instead of going in the opposite fucking direction and going on parlor for no goddamn reason. And and Mike, why are they on parlor? And you know how how many listen i'm a former cop do you know how many cops right now are undercover on parlor like yeah and yeah let's go you know how many cops are on parlor right now the parlor it's over for parlor y'all want to plan some shit on parlor the police planning it right with you i can imagine i mean put it this way it's no different to twitter in terms of infiltration by um government agencies and indeed the police so i wouldn't be shocked or surprised this is a breeding ground for ideas and those ideas are collated, noted, and, and in certain cases you get a visit. And Mike, here's the best thing that civilians don't know about like these big tech companies and these breeding grounds that they think they have free speech on. The moment the police contacts Twitter, 
Facebook and all of these companies and say, hey, one of your users is involved in criminal activity and we have proof and we need to, you know, do whatever we need to do with your social network to catch this person. They mm-hmm. always cooperate. How is that free speech that the moment the police like, we need to keep an eye on him, Twitter's like, come on in, we'll help you. (laughs) You know what I mean? So be careful with your free speech people on these networks because trust me, as a former cop, when it's time for me to hit up a Facebook admin for a warrant, which is a true story, they are the first Mm. people to be like, we will be more than happy to help you. So And that's just it. So enjoy your free speech on on (laughs) Parler. Sometimes you don't even need to go that far because there's been a spate of cases in the UK where people who have um, achieved mass wealth with ill-gotten gains mm-hmm. um, and, and have been flaunting uh, their wealth on um, Instagram and and basically haven't been able to account for it um, have been nabbed by the police. They have been nabbed by the police because that's where the evidence which you've been flaunting in videos and in pictures, which you can't account for because you don't work, they have actually... Well, haven't even had to go down the, the warrant route because all of that information is right. up front and in the public. <laughs> it's just, I just feel like a bunch of stupid people got empowered in America and now they're violent, you know, and now we have to squash their message and we have to punish their leader and we need to just shut down all the social networks that they're on. Like, it, it, no more misinformation spreading and your little leader is now a disgrace. And I cannot wait, maybe 10 years from now, when we associate MAGA, almost like we do with Nazis. I cannot wait till people who supported MAGA are going to be like, supported who? What? I cannot. It's coming, Mike. He's a disgrace and a treasonous Mm. traitor. And Mike, unfortunately, I think more violence will come. So. And that's the worry because I I hear, um, because I follow um, Parlor Watch, which their strapline is, we follow and uh, document Parlor and uh, are involved in um, what goes on over there so that you don't have to. Basically, they're like a Parlor Watch. Uh, as the name would suggest. And the tweets that they've been, or the the tweets, the actual posts they have been um, sharing from Parler, it's not looking good. It's looking very frightening, especially running up to the 20th. They're talking around the 17th to the 20th. It's going to get a little bit spicy again in the US to the level where, you know, this, um, what took place the past few days, would have been seen as a dry run for what's yeah. coming. Yeah, totally agree. Totally. It is a dry run. Mm. Speaking so, of what's coming, though. No, no, I said, this, Mike, this is why I didn't vote for him. Yeah, I, I understand that, you know, racism is something that a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't vote for him because of what he said about the Mexicans. No, I voted for him because when I saw somebody's ass get beat down at a rally, I knew that this would bleed into our country. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, Mike, let's jump into yeah. some MMA. I'm getting worked up. speaking of dry run we've had a dry spell of late there's been no mma and i don't know about you but it's been refreshing to basically have that break but i can't wait to get back in there and the ufc are actually treating us to a i would say a wealth of mixed martial arts talent over the next few weeks kicking off with max holloway versus calvin cater um, my one to watch, and I think it would be only right for us both to go through our ones to watch. Um, kicking that card off, Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. The one I'm really looking forward to, the matchup I'm really looking forward to, is Amari Akamedov versus mm. Tom Brees. Now, you remember that Tom Brees hasn't had um, the best in terms of runs. Um, in terms of actually getting into the cage, he finally did that in his last fight. But you and I agreed that this was to get his confidence back. Now that his confidence is seemingly seemingly back, I think they've thrown him again in at the deep end. Bearing in mind that Tom Brees is 12-2 and two, and Amari Akhmedov is 20-5. and five. Okay, I know that records are for DJs, but... um. Amari Akhmedov was unbeaten up until December 14th, 2019. Now, he lost to Chris Weidman via unanimous decision. But before then, um, you know, he'd had a long stretch. He'd had a really good run. Yeah, he went to now, a draw. Now, for me, I'm Martin just worried. Victoria. I think that's important to note. He's tough yeah. as an ox. That's his game. That's his thing. Yeah. 
And I'm just worried. I'm worried that Tom Brees has got an uphill climb with this fight. And that's why it's an intriguing one. Has Tom Brees, in terms of a narrative, I'm looking forward to seeing whether he can actually overcome um, well, the, the mental health challenges that he's had that's kept him from the cage. But, you know, this is a tough opponent in terms of record, in terms of standing, and in terms of prowess. Mariak Madoff is no oh, joke. no, not at all. He went, like I said, he went to draw with Marvin Vittori. Uh, Chris Weidman had mm. a hard time, you know, getting that win. It was it was a, a fight to the death almost as far as the wrestling and the grappling and the cardio. You know, it wasn't a, <laughs> an exciting fight. But what I got out of it was is that, you know, this Amari guy, he's just tough. And he doesn't stop and he comes forward and he enjoys fighting. Like his fight with Marvin Vittori, he mm. loved dropping those like little haymakers on him and, and wrestling with him. And he smiled every time he got up and he enjoys himself. And... He's, and his run in the UFC is not that bad. Do I think he's going to contend for a title? I don't know. But I do think he's a tough son of a bitch. And I think your man, especially yeah. with the anxiety issues that he's discussed and how he needs like how he needed like that confidence booster, this could be a tough uh, matchup for him. And this is an intriguing fight because of it. Does Tom break or does Amari finally get put away? You know, that's yeah. the theme. Yeah. yeah, definitely one to watch. How about you, though, from your, your uh, one to watch from Max Holloway versus um, Calvin Cater? Will that card Santiago anyway? Ponzinibbio comes back to fight Lee Jinglang, and I am excited for so many reasons. Mm. One, Santiago is one of my favorite fighters. I love the way in which he methodically pieces up his um, opponents. I think he's a very smart Muay Thai striker, and he's got some decent takedown defense. However, Ling Jie Lang is a hard-hitting man that stays in your face, and he's also good at picking shots, but he's more of the heavy hitter, slobber knocker type dude. And I cannot wait to see these two mm. fight because I think it's a good matchup. Because I, I'm picking Santiago, but he hasn't fought in a while. So who, who are we getting here? Ring Russ Santiago or the same guy that looked like he was in title contention from the moment he stepped into the UFC? Or is he going to be a little rusty? And the same you could say for Ling Jiang. I cannot wait. I'm picking Santiago, though. And I'm so happy he's back. I think he fights for a title pretty soon. So he's that good to me. Yeah. You see, for me, um, Santiago Ponsonibio, having been out for so long, that for me is the story going into this. Mm -hmm. um, you and I know that Li Jingliang is no slouch. I mean, he really does bring it. So... This is one that you would really choose if you had your way um, around it. But um, that, for me, is going to be the, the, the tough ask, the tough oh, question. Yeah. After such a long layoff, exactly. how's he going to fare? That's my, my intrigue here. And both of them hit pretty hard. And I wonder, too, like, can Ling test Santiago's chin? Because, like, Ling is like a one-shot heavy hitter. Like, once he hits you, you're going down and he follows up. Does Santiago have the chin if he lands that those heavy shots? And then... Also, does Lee Lang have the footwork to kind of get out of Santiago's way? Like I said before, he methodically picks the, the, the best shots to hit you with to get you on the ground. So does does Jilang uh, defensively and also footwork-wise, does he have it to avoid those shots? I'm hella, hella intrigued. And, Mike, I'm hella excited that my favorite fighter is coming back. This guy's Santiago's lethal brother. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, Mike. What do you? Yeah, can I, can real I quick, Mike. What do you think of um, the fight we've been waiting years to see? Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown. We've been waiting yeah. years for that. Ha, ha, have, yeah, have this, we? they were supposed to fight years ago, and now they're gonna fight like two old men, which I don't mind. Because, you know, they're older and stuff like that. But, we've yeah, I know in the States, they've tried to book this before, and it's never come to fruition. So a lot of us are excited yeah. about this. S you see, I get that. I know that they've booked it mm. time and time again. This isn't, you know, news. But what I'm saying is that it wasn't one that I was particularly oh. looking forward to. It wasn't like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm chomping a yeah, bit think, for this. I think it's the stateside thing with us because it's like we love both these dudes and it's like, you know, their mm. um, careers have come full circle even though they're still in the UFC. So even the timing of them fighting and older in their careers is kind of fun too. And Carlos Condit did have a nice comeback against, I believe, was it, what was his last fight? Chiesa and whatnot? I don't have it in front of me. But he did have a nice comeback win in his last fight. And Matt Brown went down. Yeah. You know, he got knocked out. So it's good to see who's going to prevail here. But I am so happy they're finally booking this. So maybe it's, it's a States thing. I forgot you was from the UK. You like, what? Uh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Speaking of Chiesa, though, Michael Chiesa versus Neil Magny takes place on the 20th of Jan as we hurry forward with the next um, card. As I say, they, they, they put these, and I, I, I love the way in which they've actually structured this, that we had the drought, and now here is the feast. But for me, on that card, I'm obviously biased as a Brit. I'm looking forward to Lerone, the Miracle Murphy, taking on Douglas Silva uh, de Andrade. Now, again, I know records are for DJs, but 26-3, and three, Douglas Silva de Andrade, um, going in against... Lerone Murphy's unbeaten. Okay, he's uh, he took um, God. His name escapes me to a draw, um, but nine and zero, really and truly. Um, they're not actually giving Lerone an easy trip no, into not. the UFC. Now, for me, for me, I, I just I, I I trust the power. I trust the skill. I trust the the, the prowess and the movement of Lerone Murphy to come away with. With, with the victory here and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him yeah, back in action yeah me too I was going to say we picked the same fight like I have my eye on this fight as well because it's just like yeah I oh, like okay. Lerone's, um st- stylistically I like the way he fights and I also like how Douglas yeah. Silva de Andrade mm. fights he's kind of wild and he doesn't stop and he's like this little pit bull so I'm I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they match up together but I am picking uh, Lerone Murphy I do believe he's the real deal and can get past Douglas however I've got my eye on Roxanne Mataferi versus Vivian Arujo you know Roxanne is number eight Vivian is number nine I love fights that matter who's gonna who's gonna go down in the rankings who's gonna go up and closer to the title shot you know so that is important to me yeah. and these are they're evenly matched I, I can't pick this one yet I have to watch more footage but, I, man, I'd love to see that fight. I'm looking forward to it. And, and the main event, too, is another fight that matters. Who has to, between Michael Chiesa and Neil Magny, who goes down in the rankings again and who goes up and keeps looking for that title? And I'm going with Neil, but this is one hell of a fight that matters. What are your thoughts, Mike? What do you think of the main event? Well, to be honest with you, I'm glad we are on the main event. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, it doesn't float my boat. I'll keep it real. Because... Obviously, in the main event, we were supposed to have had Kamzat Chimaya oh, yeah. versus um, <laughs> Leon Edwards. Now, for me, um, having that snatch from the card has really put yeah. a dampener on my interest for that card. And like I say, it's because of Lerone Murphy being on the card and, you know, the, the fact that, you know, I do like his style. That's kind of like piqued yeah, my interest for that yeah. entire card. But... But, I mean, just whilst we're on um, uh, Kamzat Chimaev and Leon Edwards, I know that you were uh, pretty hot on Edwards taking this. I know that you were pretty convinced that you know I there was no way that yeah. Kamzat Chimaev was actually going to come, come, come through that. But why do you think, what, in your opinion, why do you feel as though they were so keen to have this, well, intact? Because... If I remember rightly, um, we, we discussed this briefly on uh, the previous shots fired, but they actually were approached by Leon um, Edwards to actually put together either Neil Magny or um, or, or to take on uh, either of of the, of the main eventers, and it it well. It was poo-pooed. It was it was slapped down. Of course, down. it was slapped down, Mike. Dana White specifically wants. Um Shemaev to beat Leon Edwards so it qualms his calls for a title shot and sends him right back down at the bottom. I just don't think Dana White really wants Leon Edwards moving forward in his company. He doesn't want him to fight for a title and he sure as hell doesn't want him to be champion. So he's putting him, he's giving him fights that are helping him with that goal, Mike. So of course he's not going to fight Michael Chiesa <laughs> or Neil Magny because let's face it, Leon beats both of them. I think. I think Leon's that mm. good. Maybe I'm overhyped, but I think Leon would struggle with their grappling. These are both very huge men, but I think Leon can can put a damper on both these opponents, and, and Dana's not taking that risk. He's going to feed him Shemaev and go from there. That's it. But you say that he'd, he'd struggle with their grappling. I remember, and I have to say, I, 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 had, I was made mm. to shut my mouth. Saying the same thing going into Gunnar Nelson versus Leon Edwards, and he handily dispatched mm-hmm. him. His his grappling jiu-jitsu was no match for Leon yeah. Edwards' takedown defense and his grappling. So 
How can you say that? I'm, I'm, because I'm, I'm I still intrigued. think that their grappling, Neil Magny and Michael Chiesa, would be a huge factor in this fight, and that would be their path to victory, mm-hmm. but I'm not picking Leon. Do you understand? Oh, okay. Like, I think that would be a challenge for Leon yeah. for both these opponents and Chiesa and Magny, but he would still prevail. I would still pick him. And that's why Shemaev and Leon also is equally as scary because it's the same path of victory for me with Shemaev. I think Shemaev is going to wrestle fuck him to death, and I think that's what he needs to do to get past him. <laughs> because I think wrestling is, is going to be Leon Edwards. That's what I think challenges him the most, even though he's made so much improvements. I think the best way to beat him is through wrestling. Yeah. So whenever a wrestler fights him, I'm like, that's their path to victory. But I always think Leon is better than the wrestler that he's facing. So I, I pick Leon still. Mm-hmm. Just for a second, hypothetical situation, obviously, but you manage Leon Edwards. We're going to imagine that for a second. What advice, what do you say to Leon Edwards in order to up his stock, to basically have him a little bit more revered and given the respect and the respect put on his name that it deserves? What do you say to him? What do you tell him? What advice do you give him? We sit down and we talk about how do we make you a bit more controversial? How do we get to? How do we market you now? How do we get these fans on board? That's mm. all I would be doing with Leon Edwards because obviously he's got the talent and and the, the 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 athleticism. He's got that department. Let me work on getting people to either like you or hate you. That's all I would be talking about with him. And it's either got to be either or. We either make you somebody that everybody wants to see you get killed. Or we, you know, we big up your Jamaican something. Like, we big up something going on with you. We try to get fans to connect with you. Because I think that's the only way he's ever going to get out of this, like, Dana White stronghold. If if he's able to sell seats with something other than his fighting style. And you can't tell a fighter, hey, you got to start knocking people out. It's just, no, this it's too high level. It's too, <laughs> too many things are, are at stake here. So you can't tell him to change his fight, like knock the next guy out. The fans will like you. You can't do that. So they got to create some type of drama, I think, Mike. Mm. And not just calling Masvidal a weasel. See, That's not enough. Like you got to do something here. See, I, I'm not so sure because for me, I think we're past the marketability mm. discussion. I would be sitting down with Leon and, and saying, where do you really want to be in the next 18 months? Do you want to be a champion of an organization? Uh. Or do you want to be known as the guy who has continually taken on all comers and dispatched them? Because it strikes me that is the mantle that he has held for the longest while. Someone who will take on all comers and dispatch them. But almost in a kind of like always the bridesmaid, never the bride um, type of scenario in that he's never um, been thought of first off when people think about belt and challenges. He's always, well, he's good, but... Mm, maybe not now for you. And really and truly, what's transpired is just that. He's always been in the conversation, but never been given the opportunity. So I'd be saying to him, look, perhaps it's time you actually switch to an organization which not only values you from a monetary point of view, but values you from a commodity uh, or from a point of view that you are given the opportunity based on on your prowess so there is no question that you're going to be the next person up for the belt because of how and what kind of winning streak on that you're on and your prowess in the cage so i'd 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 be giving him the advice that perhaps it's time that we bounced we bounced for two reasons Mm. the money and we bounced in terms of status you are a belt holder obviously why is it that you're not holding a belt let's go to an organization that will give you that opportunity Instead of playing lip service, I, mean, I think to this. that's like I think that's a really good way to think for long term object, you know, ter- long term goals. You know, I think that's definitely something his management should be discussing. I think in my answer, I'm dis- I'm thinking short term goals, like where Leon is right now in the UFC. But I do agree mm-hmm. with you that if Dana keeps like keeping Leon under his thumb, or if they they you know they boot him off the rankings again, or basically if they keep treating him like shit, I think. 
he should have that conversation with his manager. How about Bellator? How about other organizations? Because one, maybe he can make more money. Two, he can be respected and be the champion yeah. that he can be. And not even just be champion, he can test himself against the best and not have to fight some no-name you know, guy that's popular. You know, like maybe he can go someplace <laughs> where contenders fight contenders, not just, ah, this new guy's here and Dana likes him and he's a mystery, fight him, even though you're on an eight-fight win streak. Mm. I wouldn't. I would encourage support and not be mad at Leon if he keeps getting treated like shit. He finally fights out his contract and goes to Bellator. I wouldn't. You can't blame him. He's being treated differently like everybody else, and that's not cool. I, I, I'm glad you say that because it does seem to be a recurring thing. Though that's just the annoying factor here, but. Moving on, UFC 257 is going to be headlined by Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor 2. Just on that, I'm just going to pause just ever so slightly. I know we've obviously got the ones which we're looking forward to, but, you know, obviously we're looking forward to Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor 2. That's not what this is about. The reason why I'm pausing is because in a recent report, now I haven't looked that deep into it, so I don't know how um, true this report is, but Dustin Poirier has been making well, noises about moving up to welterweight. Now, that for me is, well, I suppose just to rework a Conor McGregor phrase, I smell weakness. <laughs> I smell weakness before a glove has actually been put on. A four-ounce glove has not actually passed his knuckles, but he's talking about going up to welterweight. Now, that sounds like a defeatist mentality. That sounds like somebody who doesn't feel as though he's going to come through this, the victor. Am I being out of order? Yeah, Ring me in. Bit, I think not out of order. <laughs> Not out of order, my friend, but just like a little dramatic. You know what I'm saying? Like, let the man make a business mm. career. You know, like a, a business decision. I don't necessarily think he's like, well, when I lose to Connor, I'll just go here. No, I think he's just literally thinking about his future, his money, and what works best for him. And he worked that out with the UFC, and he's good to go. And I still think he's adamant about knocking Connor out. I don't, I don't see it that way. Okay. not focused about his next fight is that how you feel well there's two things that's not championship talk to be talking about the next um weight class up unless you're factoring in being a two-weight champion that isn't championship talk to be talking about where you're going which doesn't actually factor in defenses which not you're not i'm not getting the vibe here that He's talking about a long run in this division which he's been in. But it's just having that before a fight, which is the second time around, doesn't really fill me full of confidence that you're full of confidence. Oh, yeah. I, that, I think that's exactly how you're interpreting this. And that's how I interpreted your perspective on this. But I don't think that's the case <laughs> at all. I think he's just looking out for his career. Mm. When I saw that he signed a, like, what is it, a... Um, how many fights? I just, Eight fight deal. I, um, call me dramatic, but I was like, can your brain handle that? Like, we've seen him in some wars. Like, whoosh, like mm. man, I got nervous. But then the fan of me was like, fuck yeah, eight more fights of Dustin. Let's go. And, you know, I don't, I'm just happy to see him still in the UFC and still at the top of the food chain. So I'm happy about it. But, Mike, you being hard on a brother, man. Woo. <laughs> I don't know. Well, let's just say I, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if I were you about an eight-fight deal. Remember when Anderson Silva signed a ten-fight yeah, deal? Do you remember that? You know, Mike, you know I'm scared. I'm like these fighters' mama. Remember every time you ask me, like, should he fight this person? No, we should develop them, develop, develop. I'm like, you know I'm a pussy when it comes to these fighters. When, they, when Anderson came out with that ten-fight deal, I thought the same thing. I was like, you're fucking brain, bro. Wow. Let it rest. Let it rest. <laughs> let's get a three-fight deal, honey. <laughs> So, in terms of what I'm looking forward to, though, Dan Hooker versus Michael Chandler. It's the coming out party for Michael Chandler, supposedly. But I know this is going to sound really mean-spirited, but the whole switch to parlor, follow me on parlor, is still ringing in my ears. And every time I see Michael Chandler's name, that's what I think of. So, I'm hoping that Dan Hooker hands him his ass. And I think that's quite likely. Dan Hooker's no slash. Dan Hooker's no pushover. Dan Hooker, I think, is a very good 
and a pertinent test for him, even though I wanted to see him versus Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson versus Michael Chandler, for me, um, ticks all the boxes. But I think he's going to struggle to get past Dan Hooker as his first fight into the UFC. But I'm really looking forward to that for all um, the reasons that I've just described. The narrative for this is incredible. Michael Chandler coming from Bellator. Can Bellator actually hang with UFC? That sort of narrative. Plus, as I say, um, you know, Dan Hooker is no pushover, is no slouch. So um, how about you? What, what, what are you looking forward to on the Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor card? Shit, everything, man. Um... I'm so, I feel like a crackhead. We haven't had like a fight in a month and, and we needed this mic. Like, <laughs> and you know what? I have a confession. I've also taken a break from like podcasts and MMA. Shout out to Rhino. He's been like texting me like, where you at? You know, I haven't been asking questions and I'll be back, Rhino. But uh-huh. I just took a break from MMA, just like the UFC took breaks. So did I, you know, and it feels refreshing and mm. I'm back, Mike, a hundred percent. However, I'm looking forward to Dan Hooker versus Michael Chandler. I'm with you. I'm picking Dan Hooker on this all the way. Um, I'm happy to see Khalil Roundtree come back. He's a beast. And um, Jessica I and Joanna Calderwood are fighting. Yes. Calderwood. And Joanna. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and she's Scotland talking zone. a little shit here. Like, she seems to be a little pissed. I forget what she said, but she's coming for Jessica. You know, so it's. Mm-hmm. I think this is a damn good card. At first, I was a... Uh, you know, I wasn't happy with it, but I like this card. I'm upset, Mike. Did you hear Hakeem uh, Duwadu is not that feeling do, well yeah. or whatnot, or is he injured or whatnot? And he's now not fighting Shane Burgos, which which hurt, you know. But, Mike, don't forget yeah. Ottoman Azatar. You know I'm a you know, I'm nuts about him. He's fighting Matt uh, Frivola, and they were supposed to fight before, I believe, and now they're back. That's going to be a good fight. Watch out for him again, Ottoman. Yeah. Early prelims, yeah. Um, so, you know, this is this is a good one, Mike. I look forward to it. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. What I like about all of these is that, you know, um, well, the first, um, first card, and that is Holloway uh, yeah. Qatar. Um, Cater, sorry, um, taking place on the 16th of January. That's that's a really early kickoff for us uh, Brits on oh, this good. side. Good. As is, um, yeah, as is UC Fight Night, Chiesa and Magni. Now, I mean, really and truly, you're right, UC 257 has got some gems and um, I think it'd be, I, I think you did the right thing there and kind of like, okay, shying away from just talking about one and like, having a look at quite a few on there because there are this, this is this is a decent yeah. card a very decent card to end yeah, our because, dry spell you know on. Mike especially with that Connor card a lot of people complain that they the whenever Connor fights they don't stack the rest of the card and I'm even though the card is still mm. being built up because I'm on the website now and it's just you know they just have the the fights on here but you can tell they might add more it's not as bad as people have been saying that I, I do remember them stacking not stacking Connor cards and I, I don't think they're going to do that here and we need to mention that fans are back for that fight. Remember, Mike? Yeah, let's not yeah. forget. Mm. What's your thoughts um, on that? Man, Mike, I've been watching UFC for so long that I'm fine with no fans. You know what I mean? Like, I'm okay with no fans, but if they bring it back, I'm not going to complain either. But I do really enjoy no fans. I'm nosy, Mike. I love the corner coverage. I love hearing Kevin Holland talk shit to people. You know, stuff that we're never privy to hearing. Remember Kevin Holland telling yeah. Darren Stewart, ooh, you strong. <laughs> I died laughing. <laughs> and don't forget, um, Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker was, was really scary and disgusting because we could hear those shots, too. It was gross, but it made the fight so fun. To be fair, though. To be fair, though, it's not a Connor card if there isn't the ole, right. ole, ole in the stands. No, you're Come right. On you're now. right. That's why I can, go, I can go both ways. If it was no fans, I would have no complaints. <laughs> you bring them back. I'm like, all right, I've been watching fans for years, you know, with fans for years. I'm already used to it, so bring them back. So either, I'm, either mm. way, I'm a happy girl. And we needed this UFC break. <laughs> I know I did. So, I'm, yeah, I'm down. Oh, Definitely. How did you feel your UFC break? Because for me, I've been uh, binging on um, Netflix. Oh, there's this one I have to tell you about. Lupin. It's a, it's a French mm. um, thriller drama um, in the kind of like um, catch me if you can sort of kind of um, 
what, what's, what's the way of actually describing it? Kind of like a a, a, a a detective kind of like vibe to it. But I definitely recommend that. You definitely got to check out Lupin on um yeah. on netflix yeah put that on there how about you what, what what's been what's been keeping you busy have, have you been I am spending back, your time meaning i'm back in the gym and when i'm back in the yeah when i'm back oh, in okay. the gym, that means uh i work out four to five times a week and an hour and a half to two hours a day that's what i try to do so i have not done that Man, I'm yeah so i have not done that um in like three months because i was you know grieving sad figuring out my life post-covid so I am. Matter of fact, yeah. when I'm done podcasting with you, I'm going to turn this off, put on my gym clothes and, and go to the front of my house and work out for two hours, then eat like I'm going to make this routine. And I have a bike and everything. I'm wow. going to ride my bike to the barbershop, too, after I'm done working out. So it's like my active lifestyle has kicked right back in. So I'm back, Mike. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I'm really, really jealous because looking at your Twitter feed, your home gym looks Oh, it's not even done, baby. Like, in fact, today, my, yeah, my coworker was supposed to come (laughs) by today. I haven't heard from him, but um, I might nudge him and be like, hey, remember you're going to drill my speed bag in the wall? I'm so excited. But Mike, my neighbors are going to be so pissed because that shit is so loud. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how that works out as far as my neighbors, but... I live in like a really loud neighborhood, so we don't really call, you know, like we have manners when we're loud. So we have this unspoken, we don't snitch mm. on each other. But I wonder if the speed bag <laughs> is going to change that, but we shall see. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, another episode in the bag and 2021, hopefully, um, will continue wait, in the wait. breakneck speed in which it wait. started. Oh, Skirt. What what did I miss? We're missing <laughs> your end of things. What have you been doing during the break, Mike? You got kids, you a dad, you over here with 30,000 different podcasts. I see you, brother. What's going on with you? All right. No, I, I, I've been filling my time with, like I say, catching up on Netflix. Lupin has actually kept me busy. But yeah, you're right. Um, I launched just before Christmas a podcast is a film podcast and it's called mm-hmm. trash omfg follow trash omfg for all the latest news views and interviews to do with film now i've got a passion for film having come from the entertainment side of journalism in that i used to rock up on the red carpet and like interview the the great and the good who were actually um uh, attending film premieres actually one uh, person who I interviewed Kevin Spacey okay he's fallen from grace put me in check because I was quite a cheeky young pop when I used to interview people so I said to Kevin Spacey once look um the role it was um he was he played Lex Luthor in Superman the role that you kind of like put together there in terms of uh aesthetics it's very much uh, in the in the kind of like guise of Kaiser Sose from um, right. the usual suspects and he said sir you look like the kind of gentleman who would see Jesus on a piece of toast. <laughs> and I thought, oh, you got me there. And he walked off. But yeah, um, I used to interview the great and the good on the red carpet. So getting back to film reviewing is something which I've been dying to do for a few years now. But because of how busy it's been in terms of going to events and filming and doing many mm-hmm. documentaries, doing the podcast and also doing pieces in terms of written pieces for the website I haven't been able to do it but because of the obvious strip strip or stripping out of the filming I don't go to events anymore for obvious reasons I've now filled that void with a film podcast it's a regular look at film where I interview the great and the good around film and the forthcoming podcast which I've been working on and um, do you remember we all reviewed yes. jujitsu <laughs> Now, <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu, the main protagonist, Alan Moussi, uh, he played the main protagonist. I interviewed him for the latest um, or the latest um, episode of Trash OMFG. And <laughs> I was quite real with him, which I think that he appreciated. And um, you can check that out. I think it launches on the 20th of March. So there's the film podcast. And like you say, yeah, uh, being with the kids and having like a really busy Christmas. I've been playing things like um, uh, Connect Four. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Connect Four fan and they've been teaching me how to play chess as well. So oh, nice. all in all, 
it's 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 been very very busy um and it's nice like i say to have had that break because it kind of like makes you realize the kind of things which uh you've been missing if you kind of like took your head up from looking at in cage yeah, action yeah for a bit. i think that's why the break was good for us you know for like hardcore yeah, mma oh, fans like we got some air you know, I even took a break from like, mm. pod, you know, podcasting a bit. You know, me and you took a break. I stopped listening to some. I just kind of needed just to fast maybe. And now I'm back, you know. <laughs> well, oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, uh, my full start, I, I reckon I can uh, reconvene or, or convene yeah, now. Um, it's been an incredible, it's been an incredible episode as always and um i'm really hoping that this um well this, this feast that we've been treated to does actually continue because this is a good way to start off 2021 Absolutely. so we'll be back on the midweek show and that is the shots fired with yeah. the chaps um chisanga and kairos and um well I, I i hope that things do calm down between now and then in terms of the landscape of america but you know until then stay stay safe stay safe and y'all listeners y'all stay safe too